Hey Zwifters, I'm Simon Schofield and this is the Zwiftcast. Coming up, the birth of eSports on Zwift. Could this be big? Really big. Monica versus the Mountain. How one Zwifter conquered depression to reach new heights. And the FTP test in Zwift. Are we doing it all wrong? Well, welcome back, fellas, because it seems like ages since we talked. My partner's in Zwift chat, Nathan Guerra. Yo, dude. Hey, Simon. How's it going? Very well, thank you. And Shay Miller, g'day, mate. G'day, Simon. How's things? Not too bad. This is the first podcast that I've recorded for about six months where it's light outside. This time of the year is super confusing. It never used to be, as I was just saying to you before we started chatting, before I had friends all over the world. And now it kind of does my head in. You must need to watch it very carefully, Nathan. Time changes. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we, uh, we're definitely different than the rest of the world because we changed early on. And it was kind of odd having all of the races pushed one hour forward. Uh, but at the same time, it also means that we're doing things one hour later for my uh, middle of the night stuff, too. So it's fine. Yeah, well, um, as you were also saying before we started, Shane, happily, the Zwift app does a lot of the maths for those of us who are challenged in the numerate departments. Yeah, for sure. That's my go-to reference point at the moment. There's the uh, eFondo coming up this weekend. I think one of the first grand fondos on Zwift. And I was looking into the uh, start time. I'm like, I, I can't figure that. Let me just load the app and... It's there. It's at the right time within the app. So, yep, thank you for the Zwift mobile app. Yeah, yeah, I like things that do maths for you. Um, But, of course, a a time of hope and optimism for us in the Northern Hemisphere as the days get longer and warmer and lighter. But the end of your summer season, Shane, I I hate it when the hour goes back in autumn. Um, But, of course, these days I hate it a little less than I used to because we do have the Zwift season to look forward to. But... It's a big change, isn't it? Yeah, look, we have got a Criterium series here in Melbourne and there's five or six Criteriums during the week. And as soon as that hour disappears, bang, the racing stops. So everyone's a little sad. So we're all super fit because it's the end of the season. Everyone's flying. So watch out, Zwift, when these people go, well, what am I going to do now? Let's get a smart trainer and go. We're going to see a lot of strong riders from uh, the Australian side of things coming on board. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure we'll see that. Anyway, okay, let's get on with stuff. Um, Nathan, you first, because you've been hanging out with the Zwift Big Cheeses at Long Beach, and I don't expect you to divulge secrets or give us specifics, um, unless you want to, of course, but I don't think you do. Um, But I am going to do a little quiz, which might give listeners some sense of where we think Zwift might be heading in certain directions. So here we go. On a scale of 1 to 10, where 1 is Richmond and 10 is Watopia, how excited are you by what you saw in developments at Swift? Uh, I'm going to say a 7. Uh, I'd say a 7 out of 10. I was pretty excited about some stuff that I saw, that's for sure. Uh, so... You know, the development is uh, really, really awesome. And uh, I was... I was pretty excited about the things as far as that goes, especially since you mentioned Richmond and Watopia. Uh, there was some really cool stuff I saw them up to there. Okay, seven. Yep, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. On a scale of one to ten, where one is the Microsoft Zune and ten <laughs> and and ten is the Apple iPhone, how kind of technically advanced is the stuff they're working on? I mean, like, how super clever is it? So um, that's an interesting comparison because I don't use Apple products. So I'm just kind of like, what, a 15? Because I don't know the iPhone. But, um, so um, anyways. Let's accept that most people think the Apple iPhone is is pretty good. I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. Lindsay just recently got an iPad for GarageBand. And, and Shane's sitting there showing us his Apple products. So, I mean, anyways, um, you know, I'm just messing around. Uh, anyways, the... Uh, Technology advanced. So that's interesting. I mean, Zwift makes software. Okay. So like the technology is there. Um, but the, 
uh, ways that they're starting to develop it and the ways that they're thinking about it, I would give it a seven again. And then you're going to get that over and over again. I'm like excited, middle way to ecstatic kind of a thing. So, yeah. Well, I'm going to try one more kind of calibration attempt. Uh, uh, so finally, on a scale of one to ten, where one is Pac-Man, and ten and ten <laughs> and ten is Overwatch, how <laughs> gamey is the new stuff that you might have seen, or might not have seen, or might have talked about to somebody who knows? Well, that's funny that you use those two because Pac-Man was really, really enjoyable when Pac-Man was like the thing, and Overwatch now is just way more advanced down the road in time and and in its it is in its time you know what i mean and so again i would say a seven because i think that zwift is starting to head toward maybe six maybe more of a six they're starting to head into though i think it's time a little bit toward what they're starting to do with the gamey um the they're definitely starting to embrace i'm going to use a term um grinding there's some grinding ideas there's some unlocking ideas there's some uh whoa 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 Whoa, whoa, hang on a minute. Okay. What, what, what the hell is grinding? So, so like, <laughs> so the idea of like object, like we've been talking a lot. I've been hammering on objective-based gaming for like months, right? And I got there and was chatting with John. And it was like, oh, sweet. Like we're gonna do have some like incentives. That's amazing. So um, there's definitely some incentives that are going to be built in on the, uh, so the gaming side, when it comes to like MMO and that whole idea, it seems like there's some development going on there on the entertainment side of gaming. I think there's still a little bit more to be had there. And so that's why it's like, not quite getting toward that overwatch. I mean, overwatch is both like grindy and extremely entertaining at the same time. But definitely, I'd still give it like a six, seven on the uh, in, in putting in new gamey type things. So it's just a certain kind of game, though. It's really MMO based. It's really uh, toward that kind of like your not adventure, but like your um, experiential journey, how you're moving forward in the game of Zwift and how you're moving forward in your cycling through Zwift. And, and then are rewarding that, rewarding that, essentially. So it's really cool. And uh, listen, I know this is a really difficult conversation, so I, I promise I'll make this the last question because I know it's really hard because you do have to kind of tiptoe through this stuff because, you know, there's, there's an element of, well, it's a big element of trust with, with, with what we show you. And, and, and quite rightly, you've got to respect that trust. But, but had, did you get any sense of why development has been relatively slow this 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 northern hemisphere winter so there's a lot of backstory going on i think with the sudden flurry that we might see that's uh you know what the conversation went so yeah it's a lot of it's a lot of a lot of work that i think they're putting in in the background that all of a sudden we're going to see things happening okay well the phrase that i'm going to be holding on to there and i'm sure lots of listeners would have spotted was sudden flurry sudden flurry listeners well, we don't know when. We don't know when, but sudden flurry. I, I like the I like the idea of a sudden flurry. Shane, what's new with you, dude? And we'll talk about Las Vegas shortly. So hold that one back. Um, new trainers, new technology, um, NDAs I've had to sign, so I can't talk about this and that. Um, we've had releases of new um, head units from Wahoo. I've been out riding my bike. Um, you name it, just squeezing the rest out of summer and uh, getting in a lot of really, really good quality training. And uh, I may have even done that dreaded 20-minute FTP test the other day. Uh, okay, well, it sounds like you've been doing your homework for this episode. So um, let's let's crack on with... Uh, with with well th- i think this is big i mean i do think this is the beginning of something big and we'll see whether you guys agree with me um after we've heard something that will give us a bit of context esports has always been seen as being a big part of swiss future and it's starting to happen <laughs> When Zwift history was made in Roanoke, Virginia, local station WSLS-10 was there to capture it. A warm spring evening at Roanoke's Soaring Ridge Brewery. A bike race. It's a first of its kind. The organiser was Frank Garcia, a noted Zwift racer, and the guy behind the Cyclogen ranking system. 
He gave me the basics on the event. Well, we did a um, what we call a certified live event. So uh, 10 uh, cyclogen virtual cockpits uh, with uh, pro racers and uh, an audience. And so uh, it was it was fun and exciting. So all the racers got weighed in. Uh, their height got taken. Uh, all of that was officially entered into the game. Uh, and then we raced on Zwift. The event was emceed by a familiar voice. Welcome everybody then to the men's race in this eSports arena today with the Cycling Gent XRS Racing Series. The men are just about to get going out on course. This really, Frank, I think without overstating the case, I mean, this is the birth of eSports for virtual cycling, is it not? We really believe it is. Already it's taking off in, in many, many ways. Uh, a lot of excitement around it, uh, a lot of um, athletes and promoters and uh, others are contacting us. Um, we think it's very, very exciting, uh, the, the whole esports aspect. Uh, very exciting event, uh, you know, a lot of high energy. Up and out of the saddle, Bishop hammering. Now 5.0 watts for killing Matt Wadsworth, 13! Wow, absolutely killing it! Trying to get away from Bishop. But Why is this so significant? Well, for those who don't come from a gaming background, it's worth some context. Participation is important, obviously, but it's also about Zwift racing as a spectator sport. Zwift CEO Eric Min has talked about the potential of this a lot, right from the very earliest days. For those who don't know, how big is eSports? Frank has collected some statistics on viewing figures. Um, obviously, eSports uh, starts from the gaming uh, community and you have League of Legends, and uh, to sort of give people uh, a sense, uh, but you sort of have, uh, you know, uh, American football, the Super Bowl, as uh, something that would be uh, at the top of, a, of the spectator rankings uh, as an event. Um, next to that, you have League of Legends, just below that. Um, it, it has about half the audience, very large and very big. So uh, not a lot of people uh, against the population of the world um, have played League of Legends, uh, but an awful lot of people have ridden a bike and uh, an awful lot of people understand riding a bike. If this gets big, Frank, you presumably can't be the guy that organises every single one of these events. I mean, is is this just like a pump priming exercise or is this the first step on a quest for, you know, Frank Garcia and Cyclogents um, uh, 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 being the dominant force in staging these Swift esports events? I think uh, without a doubt, Cyclogent will become a dominant force in cycling esport events. Um, and we'll do that... Um, across the planet, actually. Um, now, that doesn't mean uh, that we will uh, organize every event. Uh, we will certainly have partners, um, and that's already developing um, quickly. Um, and we will uh, sort of ante up the logistical challenges when we start to have um, events, uh, for instance, uh, simultaneous events in London and Roanoke, as an example. Um, and that's coming quickly. Um, and we uh, then we'll move on to sort of Asia and uh, and beyond. Let me ask you a direct question, Frank, which some people might even consider slightly rude. Do, do you have a commercial motivation for doing this or are you doing it for fun? I mean, what you know, what, what, what's the reason behind you putting so much of your own effort into this? Uh, well, I wrote a post uh, uh, here a while back, and you, you might want to search for it. It's, it's called For the Love of the Game. And really the genesis of all of these ideas um, was my love and the team's love uh, for Zwift and racing in Zwift and riding in Zwift and, you know, sort of all things Zwift. I think the Zwift community is, uh, you know, an outstanding community. Uh, do we think esports can be big commercially? Um, absolutely. Um now, uh, we'll see how that develops over time. And, and we suspect uh, that there will be competition um, along the way. So we'll see how that develops. One might have thought that this was an area that Zwift themselves would like to own. Or, or do you think that they are quite happy for third parties to get involved in organising initiatives like this? Because in the end, 
all that does is get Swift seen in more places all over the world. And, um, you know, they might figure they've got nothing to lose. I guess all they really care about is the number of subscribers. Swift has sort of um, had a sort of arm's length relationship with racing. I expect this might change that. At some point, as you gather momentum in something like this and other people see um, that momentum, uh, then, you know, they tend to respond, uh, you know, one way or another. Yeah. I, I don't think it's any kind of overstatement, Frank, to say that, I mean, this, this to me, and I've followed Swift right from the very, very earliest days. I mean, this is, to use that terribly well-worn phrase, uh, it, it is a game changer, isn't it? I mean, this this could be enormous. Um, I've been a business person, an entrepreneur for um, decades. Let's not go into how many. And you rarely get this kind of momentum, this kind of excitement. That's a very, very rare thing to, to have happen. Um, you know, the, the Instagrams of the world, the Googles of the world, the Amazons of the world. But those are very, very rare events, right? Um, they don't happen very often. Most people uh, don't experience those. This has more of that flavor. Now, I'm not saying it's, you know, that big, but I think this can be, I think this is not only a game changer for um, Zwift and esports, I think this is a game changer for cycling. Let's see where we are in the next five years, but it might be that we look back upon this event as some kind of turning point in the way that we think about bike racing. Um, I think you've done incredibly well to get in early here, and uh, I think all of us are going to watch this space with intense interest. Well, thank you, Simon. Well, just so much to talk about there, and we will do some of that. But before we do, Frank Garcia is already working on his next big event. I think it's literally just been announced within the past couple of days, and it involves both of you. It's in Las Vegas. It's got riders coming from all over the world, and one of them is, in fact, you, Shane. So what can you tell us about this Las Vegas event, which is being put on by Frank the other day, a little chat window popped up and I was asked if I could represent Australia for this. And I'm like, you can't be serious. No, come on. You know, this is, you're just having, you're pulling my leg. And uh, Frank has asked me a little, you know, what am I doing on the, on the 8th? And I said, uh, well, I'm training for an event that's coming up and I haven't told anyone what this event is. And uh, he says, oh, can you get to Vegas? And I, I was still having a bit of a laugh. I love a good laugh. And I said, well, is Brittany playing? Because I'll only go to Vegas if Brittany's playing. <laughs> Turns out she is. <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't she always? always... She's in residence. Oh, actually, I, I'll, yeah. I'll sound like a bit of a Britney fan if I keep talking about other things I know about. <laughs> yes, yes. She's... Anyway, <laughs> turns out I'm going to Vegas. I've got tickets. Bring it on. Uh, this is like super, super ambitious. So, if you're representing Australia, I think there are people representing many, many other countries of the world. I mean, this is. And, and with no disrespect to Roanoke Brewery, um, Nathan, that was, you know, that was small beer, if you'd excuse the pun. <laughs> this li looks like something completely different. And you, you will be providing MC services and commentary services again in Vegas. I mean, how big is the Vegas event going to be, Nathan? It sounds huge. Yeah, this is going to be amazing. We are, the venue, we are using uh, the venue that was used for the Halo World Championship qualifiers. It is a full-on production. Like, it's it, it's a new arena that was just recently built like, specifically for esports, actually. Uh, and so we'll be providing... I'll be providing the commentary. You know, uh, Zwift Community Live will be the stop for the uh, where the uh, live stream will be going out from. Uh, and as far as the production goes, I am so incredibly excited about it. And we'll be doing, we keep talking about what riders we'll be doing rider reveals actually throughout the next couple of weeks, specifically around XRS events. So the digital events now that we are doing the virtual events that we're doing with Zwift with the ride, the race coverage leading up to the event, will have a lot of reveals coming up to the actual real life event in Vegas, actually. I mean, this is so, so, so ambitious by Frank. And, and he said in that piece that, that I just played that he wants to own eSports. Um, and, I, you know, I know there's a bit of competition. I know of at least one other race promoter who's, who's looking for a piece of the action. So, Nathan, I mean, I'm going to come to you first because I think your expert knowledge is probably certainly better than mine and possibly a little better than Shane's in this, in this eSports area. 
Is, it, is this not something that Zwift themselves would have wanted to own? I mean, are they going to happily stand back and let these big land grabs take place? Or, or is that just not how it works in this world? You wouldn't expect the platform to be the promoter of the events. How, how does it work? Uh, in Overwatch, there's uh, some involvement, but uh, there's entire leagues that are just sponsored by Overwatch, and they have their own promoters that do their own thing. CSGO is just on its, like, has all of its own, doing their own thing completely, and not not so much involved whatsoever, it seems like. Um, the, uh, you know, so there's, there's, this, there's this idea that, like, these people are going to promote our game and they're going to get people playing our game and buying our game, right? And so why would we compete with them? Why don't we support the community members who are really going to benefit from what they're doing with our game and getting people's eyes on it? Now, you want to talk about viewership. It's absolutely huge. Uh, let's see here. So uh, 2017 League of Legends, I think it was, had more viewers than the Trump inauguration by 10 million. Esports is taking off. Okay, this is a huge industry. And Amazon didn't put $1 billion into Twitch and buy it for no reason. It's a good investment, right? It's a huge investment. And so I think that, um, you know, we have the sport in esports that's the cycling gents thing right now that they're going to put the sports in esports and it's really compelling you you obviously share my opinion that what we're seeing at, at the moment is, is the start of something big shane i mean where there are eyeballs there are dollars but can indoor bike racing pull enough eyeballs to generate enough dollars to make this you know something big and new and profitable that's a very interesting question, and I don't think anyone will have an answer on that one until we see this thing actually kick off and uh, really get behind it and you know, sort of get the ball rolling, I guess, um, and just to see how big that ball actually gets. Um, I think it has great potential. I really do. So this is why when I was asked to be a part of it, I've seen what you know the, the initial sparks of these these events starting off, and I've just been amazed with it. To be a part of it, I'm just like, bring it on. I'm bringing myself and everyone with me. Um, I can't wait to be a part of it to see where it goes. As for it being commercially viable, I um, well, you'd never have thought, you know, people sitting on a couch playing uh, Halo or any of the normal games that we see just making millions of dollars these days would ever turn a profit by people watching them. So something like this that people can get passionate about and cyclists, as we know, as we see in Zwift Riders, if some people who get their heart rates up are very passionate people. So uh, combine that, I think there's a very, very electric feel around this. And I can't wait to get over to Vegas and be a part of it, to be a part of the organization. And just to hear the conversations around these, I guess you'd call them entrepreneurs in this field and what they're going to do with it, what their vision is. Um, and, you know, just, I guess, meet the heads of state and to see where I can fit in, in the puzzle. I want to be part of it. It's going to be huge. No disrespect to Shane. I mean, how could I disrespect the Lama, uh, Nathan, uh, or Scotty Vice, or any of those people? But 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 surely this is only going to be a really, really big pull when we get, you know, Pete Sagan versus Tom Boonen. Uh, I, I mean, obviously that, that could only take place in the off-season, but, but you could perhaps see that happening. If you look at the organisation called Velon, who are a, a kind of loose-fed, federation of some teams and some marketing guys and they are trying to kind of drag cycling kicking and screaming into the 21st century i mean you could see that potentially that sort of thing might be something that they may be interested in long question summarized as isn't this only going to get really big when we've got the really biggest names in cycling taking part in esports for zwift well so I think that the idea of having pros is good, of course, for marketing and talent uh, up front. But this is also a golden ticket situation for those who do not come up through that scene. Th this is a whole new venue that will develop its own cyclist because of the because it, it doesn't have any kind of development program around it yet that it can develop its own. And I think that just like you have your track cyclists, just like you have your road cyclists, mountain bikers, etc., it'll have its own development. So yeah, from a marketing and talent side to bring that in initially, it will take off there. But I know for a fact that like some of the people behind this also want to create their own stars within the virtual environment too. Because that's what esports has completely. People have just come up out of nowhere with the golden ticket, Charlie, with the chocolate factory, you know? No, I can see that. I can see how it could breed its own stars. Um, so to bring this uh, 
conversation to a conclusion, although I'm absolutely certain we'll be returning to it, and certainly we will do after the Vegas event. Uh, but final question to you, Shane. You going to win, mate? <laughs> no, no, but I'll be there to compete. And if anybody lets their guard down, I'm in. I'm in. Do not, yeah, no. And where I'm at at the moment, uh, no, I'm, I'm there to compete for sure. Shane uh, might, might surprise himself, I think. I want to interrupt you and say that you might surprise yourself because you're familiar with Zwift. And I think that's the high, the whole idea of like it developing its own stars. I wouldn't count yourself out, Shane, just because you know Zwift. Well, I mean, this is what excites me about what's coming up. This sky is the limit. It's software. Anything's possible. And uh, I guess on that, I might be. We'll see. <laughs> I'll give it a shot. Well, you know, there's not much riding on it, Shane. Only the reputation of an entire nation. Ride on! Okay, well, let's move on. Um, and we do tend to talk about the competitive and racy end of things on the Zwiftcast because all three of us are big fans of that, that side of the game. But there are lots and lots of riders who find their challenges in Swift in many other ways. And one of them is Monica Schlange. Take a listen to this. Hi, Monica. Hello. Let's just jump straight in and then we'll get some background. Monica versus the mountain. What's that all about? I have seen the mountain for, well, since I started Zwifting, and it seemed too daunting. It seemed like something that fit riders would go up, and so I didn't want to do it. It intimidated me, and it was not something I was interested in. But at the same time, I knew I needed to eventually do so. Is it, I mean, it sounds like you've not been able to ignore it. It's It's had some kind of... It's cast some kind of spell over you. Would that be going too far? No, definitely not. No, that's that's just not who I am. It's not something I can do. And it really defeated me just even knowing about it. But it's not simply a matter of physical fitness. Monica suffers from clinical depression, a subject she's written about within the Zwift community. My first desire was to get rid of it. Like, I, I can't live with depression, um, so how do I... Uh, get rid of it so I can move on with my life. And um, at some point during the journey, I realized I um, will probably deal with this the rest of my life. Everybody says you have to exercise. And it's so true. While doing that and just forcing myself to ride so that I get exercise, I also fell in love with cycling because it's one of the few things in my life that I have where I don't have to think about anybody else except for me. You know, as a, a stay-at-home mom, you know, a wife, a f- friend, um, I'm very active in church. All of the areas of my life are about helping other people. And I love that. Like, it's totally who I am. But I needed some sort of outlet where I could just do me. Like so many people with depression, Monica found cycling helped enormously. But the mountain, she felt, was still beyond her, and it was tied to the condition. With depression, there's so many times that uh, the thought of something stops you. And that for me, it's the mountain on Zwift, and it tells you, you can't do this, don't even try, and, and defeats you. Um, so yeah, it's totally tied up in the depression. But as her confidence and fitness grew, Monica versus the mountain became game on. So I knew that I needed to, I couldn't let it defeat me. And so I decided to uh, go at it slowly. And so I just decided the first day, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do an elevation um, gain of 500 feet. A few days later, I decided, okay, I'm going to go up 600 feet and then 700 feet. And then my next one was eight or 900 feet. And... I noticed how far up I was up the mountain on that one. And I'm like, oh, I don't think it's that much further. I'm just going for it today. So I did and I kept going and it was actually a lot further than (laughs) I thought. But uh, I also have, so at my core, I'm very stubborn and like, you know, I'm going to do this and nobody's going to tell me I can't kind of a thing. And, um, So it's a really weird dynamic with also being depressed and depression telling me I can't do things. It's a a constant pull between the two. And so often depression has won out. And the more I cycle, the more I believe in 
who I was before of being able to combat these things. And so I did. I went up to the Epic KOM and I feel that I um, met the challenge head on and I accomplished what I wanted to do. As so often in cycling, one challenge only leads to another. And Monica began eyeing up the climb to the tower. At the same time, she wrote about her experiences on Zwift blog and got a big reaction. That reaction included a proposal to do a group ride from sea level right up to the tower, aimed at helping Monica reach the ultimate pinnacle in Zwift. Knowing that you've kind of got the support of the community and there are going to be people doing it with you, in a weird way, Monica, does that increase the pressure in some way or does it help? That blog post created so much um, positive support Uh, So many people saying, oh, I'm going to try the mountain now. Oh, I also deal with depression. Oh, you know, good job. uh, I can't believe you were able to do that. You know, all of these things. And the pressure is good and okay. There's definitely times where I feel pressure and I'm like, nope, I'm out. I I can't do this. But I feel safe in this area. I feel um, like people are committed to uh, helping me and no one would ever say, you know, oh, well, I could go up it three times as fast as you or whatever. I don't know. So so it's good pressure. This has been really excellent to get the background and I'm sure people will really, really have enjoyed hearing your story. Um, And with your permission, Monica, after after you have conquered the tower, which I'm absolutely confident you will, I'll whistle you up again and we'll just have another quick chat so before the end of the podcast we can kind of complete this story. But in the meantime, can I say, even though I don't think you're going to need it, um, all the very best of luck. Thank you. I am very excited and I'm so thankful for the support of everyone. Right on! I think what Monica proves, guys, is that there are lots and lots and lots and lots of reasons to ride a bike. And and, and one of the best, and I, you know, I've heard this story so many times about how cycling is therapy for depression or, you know, not feeling very good or anxiety or just general kind of um, mental health difficulties, cycling is just so, so, so good for that. And and you hear it time and time again. Shane, you must have come across stories like this, somebody you know, or, you know, maybe some personal experience. I'm, you know, I don't want to pry, but I mean, the point is you never feel worse after a bike ride. I mean, ain't that the truth? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Now, personally, um, depression and things, no, I haven't personally suffered from that, but I have seen a lot of people, and I mean, social media, we're seeing this quite a lot these days because people are doing, uh, I guess, fundraising and awareness raising and using cycling for that. So there must be a reason why they're really gravitating around cycling. And I think that's because we we can all set our own individual finish line, whatever that be, be it 10Ks, as Monica was to get to the top of the hill. Didn't matter where she finished, it was her finish line. And that gives me goosebumps thinking about that people can achieve whatever they set out to achieve be it big small and there's no real comparison against like i'm not going up as fast as confident i'm not sprinting as fast as saga but am i doing better than i did yesterday yes or am i doing better than i thought i could do today yes and that feeling once you step off the bike yeah as you've said you you never step off the bike well sometimes if you've got connection issues i uh, step off the bike pretty uh, frustrated but <laughs> that, that aside <laughs> You never feel worse after a bike ride. And, you know, yeah, that next meal or the next drink you're going to, it just tastes better. It's just, you know, you sort of, it's just really, really rewarding. So I think cycling plays a big, big place in this. And, uh, yeah, mental well-being for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well said, Shane. Very well said. Personal finish line. I like that idea. Uh, and, Nathan, this is kind of another triumph for the community, really. And, and I, I just love stories like this, don't you? Yeah, it's a great story. I really like how the community is coming around it as well. You know, the encouragement that we see continually around Monica's story as well as others who, uh, you know, see what they're trying to accomplish and come in and ride with. And the whole idea of uh, cycling being social uh, is definitely jumped on and just watching others trying to better themselves and push themselves uh, in order to reach new milestones. I think that's what it's all about. And I think that's why people love to come around it as a community. So it's definitely unique and uh, something that we're seeing over and over again, the more that this digital community is, uh, communicating, connecting, and uh, seeing what the real-life effects are. Okay, well, let's just round up a a bit more community stuff. Um, Have you both seen this new tool developed and promoted by, in fact, Monica's husband, Eric, 
of the Zwift blog, and uh, Zwift are called um, Andy Green as well. Uh, Zwift GPS, which um, if you use it on a second screen, it allows you to track friends who are out on course. And it also allows you to use previous rides of your own as a ghost ride or race feature. Really terrific tool. Another brilliant community initiative. And Shane, that ghost racer rider feature, I mean, it must be one of the most requested features ever on Swift. But the community will always be two, three, four steps ahead of where a corporate will be and where a corporate sort of steering for max profits and, you know, future projections and things. What you've got in the community are passionate people like ourselves who can pick something and run with it and run in any direction, sort of uninhibited. They could just run. So I loaded up Zwift GPS the other day after I was notified of it and it was a jaw drop. It was a, whoa. There's a few bugs about it displaying on a um, a certain width on my um, web browser. But once I sort of zoomed in and pinch zoomed on the Mac and I'm like, hang on, that's got my friends there. It was amazing. I absolutely loved it. For longer rides, like let's just say you want to beat your PB on the pretzel. This would be brilliant for that. So again, the community, so impressive. So, so impressive. Yeah, it's a really, really clever tool that. Now, Nathan, I'm going to ask you this one because again, given your, your kind of gaming background, but I, again, I saw this pop up on, on the groups recently and, and it was a really neat phrase for it, really. You know, there's still no official manual for the game. And somebody said, why can't we have a Zwift for dummies? You know, why don't we have a manual? You know, why don't games come with manuals? So, uh, well, that's something that's a little different about Zwift is when you go into a game, usually there's a menu that gives you the options to change all the buttons. So you see what the button currently is for the game, and then you're able to use, uh, you know, you're able to swap anything that you want. So you can make workout mode not E anymore. You can make it so it's built into the game. Um, And I think Zwift needs that, definitely. I would really like that from Zwift. Yeah, yeah. Shane, um, finally on on community initiatives for this this bit of the podcast, um, I don't know whether you've spotted Zwift Masters Racing, which is a great idea by... Christopher O'Hearn um, and I think I'll probably get Chris on the podcast and, and tell us a bit more about it in, in a future episode but basically you race against your own age group not against your self-assigned category I mean is this a good idea there is a, a league of master racing cyclists in the UK and it is notorious for being the toughest hardest most competitive most filled with hollow-cheeked, lean racing machines, you know, of any league anywhere in the in the country. And there's, there is a kind of a selection bias in Masters Racing because it's it's only the really good and fast guys that survive. They're, I mean, they can be ever, ever so competitive places, can't they? Uh, anything I say may get me in trouble here. I am one of those. Um, I've chased uh, Australian championships for many years and... Uh, <laughs> I've done okay. Absolutely. I like I like the idea of the Masters Racing. Um, and I have supported Masters Racing here in Australia ever since I turned 30. Um, I'm now 38, turning 39 this year, so probably near on 10 years now. It gives people a chance to, I guess, race against their peers who are at the same part in life, I guess. Um, but having said that, a lot of us have a lot of time to train as well. So the competition is really, really tough. But again, if it's more racing, more options for us, and a little bit easier as well. Look, even the elite guys, so what's that? That's 23 to 30 that it might not have to race against us. So they'll be happy with it. So, and we're happy not racing against the young kids who have heart rates of up to 200 plus. I saw somebody with a heart rate of 200 plus today. Nathan, <laughs> well, we're both on that same ride, I believe. So these young kids, they can go really, really fast. So uh, I guess the old Clydesdales type, uh, you know, the alligator kind of heart rate people that I, I'm sort of, I'm one of those now. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So my, my full support for things like that. And I'm looking at being a big part of that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a a good move. Well done. Well done on that, Christopher. Okay, Um, the FTP test. Now, I mean, this used to be a nerdy thing that hardly anyone knew about. But thanks to Zwift, it's now a fitness tool for the mass market. But is the way that Zwift implements this test the very best way of doing it? One man thinks it isn't. As a Zwifter, if you're serious about improving performance and getting fitter, you'll be familiar with the FTP test in-game. 
The test protocol used by Zwift is widely accepted and could accurately be described as the gold standard. It yields a number, and that number, as well as predicting the power you could hold for one hour, forms the basis of all your training. So it's important. What if we're doing it all wrong? Dr. Alex Mitchell thinks it might be time to take a fresh look at how the test is conducted. Coming from a medical background, we get a lot of training in uh, evidence-based medicine and basically that overlaps somewhat with the science of human performance. I've been interested for a very long time in using that evidence-based approach in cycling and in fitness in general. Dr. Mitchell thinks that cycling can sometimes be a victim of tradition. Now I like to take an approach where, you know, we, we're open to question traditional ideas. Some of them probably are correct and are done for good reason but some of them perhaps can be re-examined in a way where we bring science to this equation. Dr Mitchell's re-examination of the traditional FTP test as devised by the godfathers of training with power, Hunter Allen and Andrew Coggan, takes as its starting point the idea that many Zwifters may be beginner or recreational or casual cyclists. Contrast that with the database of cyclists used to devise the classic FTP protocol. It's actually not accurate for most riders. The ones where it is accurate are those really talented, you know, neo pros, upcoming racers, you know, cat two type of riders. That, that is pretty accurate in that group. In those, in the, particularly in, you know, let's say in your twenties, early thirties, where you've got, you know, your physiology is working all on your side. Let's say. That, that's where it tends to be accurate. And that's probably because that's where that was derived from back in the day by Hunter Allen. You know, he's probably dealing with most of those kind of guys. Dr. Mitchell's method, and we'll hear more about how exactly that works shortly, uses data which he has crowdsourced. He won't say where it's from exactly, which he claims is more representative of the average cyclist and therefore gives better results. The crowdsourcing peer-based normalization, to use a jargon term, but that's what it basically is, that uses a variety of abilities from uh, recreational to those, you know, up-and-coming, you know, up-and-coming races who are at the other end. But it's not only the data on which the protocol is based that Dr Mitchell is challenging. He also thinks that the FTP test itself, which involves a fairly vigorous run-up as well as an extremely difficult 20-minute effort, is simply too arduous for recreational or casual cyclists. Many people, many beginners, in my experience, struggle just to do that full effort for 20 minutes, never mind the layering of complexity on there on top. So my experience of people I've coached in a relatively humble way is that beginners will really struggle with that 20 minute test. My feeling is that many people are not going to be able to achieve what Zwift is putting out there as the long or even the shorter version of the 20 minute test. So that that is one of my issues with the way Zwift is implementing the FTP shorter test. So what's the answer? Well, Dr. Mitchell has devised a predictor tool based on the data he's crowdsourced and a belief that the current protocol is so arduous that people either perform badly or worse, simply don't do it at all. His tool, he says, allows a rider to enter a test period of as short as five minutes and still get a good, accurate FTP result, which will allow effective training. Okay, two advantages. One, we could dispense with the arduous protocol. So I think more people would complete it and find it not such a mental tough challenge to get through it, particularly when you start Zwift in the early days. Secondly, and perhaps more importantly, if you haven't got that longer that longer gold standard information, the predictor that I'm putting out there is, in my opinion, based on the data that I've got myself so far, more accurate. So that your grading in races will be more accurate and your zones will also be more accurate. It's more effective because your training zones represent your physiology more appropriately. The classic test takes the average power of the rider for the 20-minute test period and subtracts 5% to give the FTP estimate figure. 
I was curious what the difference might be between the classic method and Dr. Mitchell's predictor tool. It depends on, on the rider. It depends on the rider and their ability. But generally, it's more, it's more like 10%, to be honest, than 5% in the beginner, casual or recreational rider. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not standing here saying we need now a 10% rule. That would be equally inaccurate for many riders. You know, we're trying to predict a very complex bit of human physiology here. Dr. Mitchell says he's back-tested some results using crowdsourced data, and he's very happy with the results his predictor tool produces. In practical terms for Zwifters, Dr. Mitchell feels that a test as short as five minutes, available in the game, combined with his tool, could give as good a result as the classic FTP protocol, meaning more people might take the test, and that their training zones would suit their personal physiology better. It's unlikely to happen soon, but it is food for thought. If you want to find out more about Dr. Mitchell's predictor tool, go to fastfitness.tips. That's fastfitness.tips. Shane, um, arguments between coaches. Uh, I would say within about 30 seconds, they become incomprehensible to the common man or woman. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I stumbled on this probably a few hours after the conversation started up. And for me personally, like I knew exactly what they were talking about. I know the, the studies they were referencing. I knew uh, the terminology. I've put out, um, I guess, content with Dr. Stephen Lane here as well about yeah, estimating these things, um, referencing papers. But really, just from a personal side of it, just reading the conversations, I felt sick. I saw people just arguing about who was right or who was more right. And I was thinking, look, the demographic here are going to be reading this thinking, well, do I get a coach or are they just going to be fighting with each other? I want to be treated as a human. I want something that's close enough and to improve my cycling. I don't want to see two scientists throw you know, sticks and stones at each other. It was like, to be honest, it was terrible. The way some of those coaches acted about, um, I mean, it's one thing to correct somebody and enhance, you know, I guess our understanding, but this went south very quick and i've not revisited the thread since then i mean they they're, they're so one-eyed coaches sometimes aren't they you know their way of do, their way of doing it is the only way of doing it it's supported by all the science and all the rest of you as charlatans and snake oil salesmen you can see how clients of coaches very rapidly tire of that kind of atmosphere around coaching discussions when you're in cycling you're all in it's you eat, breathe, sleep. If you want to improve that FTP, it's hard work and it can be stressful. So the, the bigger picture here, and when I saw coaches stressing out, I'm like, oh, I don't want to be a part. Like, oh, it, it's for me, the 20 minute, you know, what is it? 90, 95% to 93%, good enough. Good enough. And I can guarantee you every single A-grade racer here in Australia, that's good enough. You don't want to hold back the march of progress here, Nathan. But I, I do think Shane's onto something there that's, well, there's, there's two things here. One, I mean, that test protocol, you know, it's been used for so long by so many people and has produced such good results. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying it can never be improved, but, you know, good enough is a pretty good description. The other issue is have Swift chosen the right protocol to use in the game for possibly beginner cyclists to assess their level of, level of fitness. And I, I mean, I think they have because, you know, what else would you go with other than the one that everybody else uses and has shown to prove good results? I mean, do, do you think there's another test that they could have used as a, as a fitness benchmark? Um I believe in a 20-minute test. I have a very strong opinion about how to use that 20-minute test. And, like, you know, I'll get into those conversations about, like, what I think actually works. But it's because I, you know, want to go off of evidence-based, you know, what I've seen work. Um, but at the same time, if there's a tool that can be developed, I have no idea what it is, that would help them through a shorter period of time in order to get at least a better aim at an FTP. So then eventually they can get to doing a 20 minute test well, then maybe it's a stepping stone because I have plenty of athletes that I've worked with that are extremely new to cycling that 
might not have done their 20 minute test correctly and that a shorter test would have benefited them actually. And so uh, I think that developing more tools to aim at the FTP is good if we are um, helping people along to understand what those tools actually do for them. Because I think part of the argument here and part of the fight here is that people don't even understand what those tools are aiming at. <laughs> like, like, like there's this like absolute, my FTP is this number. And I'm like, dude, that's going to vary by like 10% on any given day. Like you're, that's just a, that's just a benchmark that you're kind of shooting at around what you can produce for one hour, maybe on a good day kind of a thing. So that's all that. So I think there's a good idea here now, whether or not it needs to be like, like this or that, again, I guess I kind of like the both end all the time that we can like aim at both of these things because they're both going to have things that can really help us become better cyclists. Yeah. I, I mean, I think there is a there, there is actually a point which which Nathan just made very well there, Shane, actually, and the doctor was, was similarly making was that, uh, and if you set aside all the other kind of science or or pseudoscience, or conjecture, or speculation, or unidentified data sources. Set aside all that, and just focus on the question of, is a 20-minute test to almost exhaustion too arduous for people who are pretty new to cycling? The true test is the hour. And then we've already shortened that to 20 minutes. Do we want to shorten that to five? How about we shorten it to one? Like, let's not write at all. Why bother? Let's just guess and sit around on a couch. Cycling is hard. It is no getting around that. There's no shortcuts. Uh, uh, people ask that all the time. And I think Nathan, as a coach, you probably get that. What's the quickest way I can do blah? Well, I mean, there are shortcuts in regarding to estimation, but the shorter you make that, the wider the estimation delta will be. It's um, Again, you'll get there. You'll get a close. You'll get a close estimate. Um, you know, I've raced at the top level of where I've, I could reach and done pretty well, and I did not go to this level. I had estimates, and they were just fine. So everyone, don't stress about this and these people defining this and defining that. Um, and it did go down a real big rabbit hole. But I, at the end of the day, I guess, the intention of everyone involved in the conversation was for clarity and for the benefit of everyone. So I, I can't sort of um, discourage people having, I guess, uh, fiery chats. I'm known for those. So everyone's intent was always good. So I'll finish on that. That was uh, interesting conversation to see. And uh, look, I'm sure there's going to be developments here in the future that we'll all be part of. And uh, yeah, we're keen to test out ourselves. Well, you know, to, to finalise on this, I, I think Swift have done exactly the right thing in using this particular test protocol in the game to introduce people to the idea of it does actually, like, well, a couple of ideas. One, that cycling can hurt. <laughs> and and uh, 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 you know and to the um, uh, this is a well respected widely used protocol that's been in use for many many years so why would they not use it anyway there we go let's find out whether Monica made it as far as the tower so Monica a new PB and a new FTP and you made the tower. That's a good result. Yes, I'm, I am beyond thrilled. I did end up going faster than I ever have before, but also the time just seemed to fly by. And I think, I, well, I know that that's because of um, being with a huge group of people. Um, so that was really awesome. When we went up to the radio tower, that was brutal. I was going like between two and three miles an hour all the way up it. It's never been so hard to ride. So I had to kind of just hunker down and and look down and keep pedaling. I was on my easiest ring. I, I knew if I quit pedaling, I was gonna not be able to start up again. So I had to just keep going and uh, everybody was super encouraging writing texts and um, giving me encouragement over some voice stuff too. And I think if I hadn't been with everyone, I would have stopped. The thing is, Monica, though, you've crossed some kind of boundary now because you've learned how to suffer, which definitely makes you what, what we call a proper cyclist. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> Totally worth it. <laughs> That's what it's all about, cycling, suffering like a dog. Um, so just finally, for if you had some words of advice for somebody who, who used to be in your position uh, and has not yet managed either the mountain or the tower or both, what would you say to them? I would say do it with at least one other person. Preferably um, have some way of being able to communicate during it um, and 
and don't go it alone. If you do have to go it alone, take it in chunks. But um, I think the the fact that it was a group ride really, really pushed me beyond what I thought I could do. I bet you feel good about yourself today, don't you? I really do. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. Listen, well done, Monica. Well done. Lots of people rooting for you. you. But I I have to say, I never doubted you. But that is a great result. Well done. Well, it was never in any doubt, was it? Anyway, there we go. That's it, boys. All right. A quick plug for something I'm doing. I'm off to Long Beach to interview lots of backroom people at Swift HQ uh, for uh, stuff on future podcasts. So that should be really interesting too talk to people who answer customer service queries and, you know, game developers. And the people we, we, we often don't hear much about but are pretty crucial, well, completely crucial, to the smoothering of Swift. And hopefully I'm going to get around as, as, as many of those as I can. Uh, but I've also, I think, I've persuaded the execs, one or two of them, or I don't know, maybe even three, uh, the more the merrier, would be good to do an Ask Zwift feature. So you ask the questions, not you two, listeners, uh, ask the questions and I'll put those questions to somebody at Zwift who can answer them and we will stream the entire shooting match live on Facebook. And I hope CCL, Nathan, although this is probably the first you've heard of this, for which I apologise, but uh, I hope you'll be able to take that stream as well. Um, So keep an eye on the Zwiftcast listeners group and elsewhere and everywhere on Facebook for info on how to get your question hopefully answered um an entire podcast and we've not mentioned zcl nathan um it's still looking good any highlights we should know about uh yeah so there's a new women's ride that's going to launch uh we're recording thursday morning so tonight uh actually with zuscana where it's a 1.5 or less so it's a gateway ride for women uh that uh ashley bergstrom or zuscana will be riding she also does the drop lactic acid for she does workout mode on friday nights so that's going to be a really cool thing to watch out for after the very successful stream with agara kid earlier we're going to start launching junior ride <laughs> yeah no, i saw yeah. that yeah yeah, yeah we're going to launch junior that. rides that are co-led with uh kids Right. And so um, my kids, my kids will help with that. And I'll be there to kind of manage things, you know, and uh, and then they'll be on stream and the kids will be able to get involved. And I think parents will really like that to highlight the junior side of things and get more juniors riding. Uh, and then, of course, I mean, XRS is just huge. I mean, like this is the launch of esports in the virtual cycling world is absolutely amazing. And you're going to see a lot of stuff coming down the pipeline on that in the next couple of weeks here. Okay, good. I, th- I think that junior initiative is, is brilliant actually. Um, it has been on my list of features to do for, Oh God, months and months and months. I must get around to doing it. Uh, junior Zwifting, uh, mum and daughter Zwifting, dad and son or whichever configuration, but, you know, parent and child Zwifting and junior Zwifting, really, really big area, really, really want to do something on that. Um, so if anybody wants to be a contributor on that story, please get in touch with me because um, I've been trying to trying to do that for ages and ages. Shane, uh, have you been ruffling any more industry feathers on YouTube or anybody else's <laughs> anybody else's feathers for that matter? Always, always. I'm always on the lookout to keep people honest. Um, but now, look, this week we um, surpassed 2.5 million views of the YouTube, on the YouTube channel. So with content that I'm producing around indoor cycling, I'm really, really um, happy that I've contributed in a more positive way for everyone riding Zwift or, you know, if they can learn a little bit more from the content and those kind of milestones, which I've been looking at for a long, long time, I've sort of ticked those off. And again, it gives me goosebumps. The the reach we can have and the feedback I'm getting has been really, really great. YouTube's going brilliantly. And with this esports stuff coming up and the uh, getting to meet Nathan in person, I'm really, really looking forward to that. And uh, look, the sky's the limit. We're only just starting here. This is going to be big and uh, I can't wait for everyone to be on the journey with us. Shane, are you... Are you nervous? About? Competing in front of a global audience in a brand new sport in Las Vegas in a purpose-built arena. Any, you know, any of those, any of those things. Nah, but I have snuck the news to a few people that I'm going to perform in Vegas. So I, I feel <laughs> what, a little special. With, Bre- with Brittany? <laughs> I hope so. If she wants me, if she wants to come on stage, yeah, look, I'll, she can hand me some bottles. Hey, Brittany. <laughs> No, look, I'm, it's it's more than just the competition. Look, even if I get there and I miss the clip in and I miss the breakaway, I'll pedal as hard as I can and I'll bring along my 20,000 followers and I'll bring along those 2.5 million people who have viewed the channel and I'll, I want everyone involved and I want people to have a, you know, here's what it's up to. And failure is not an option. It's 
I will be there. I will be competing. I'll be giving it my all. Will I win? Probably not. But will I get to meet a few of the key people in this market on this emerging technology? I will. And that just blows me away. So I'm not nervous. I'm excited to get over there. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you are. Nathan, is this, is it, will this be the biggest live event you've ever emceed? I believe so. The arena there is like going to be packed, I think. It's going to be, I mean, and they, they see a ton of people. Yeah, it's definitely going to be the largest one we've ever had. I think it's going to be the largest one by far, actually. <laughs> like, I think it's going to be, I mean, our largest ever, I think, was somewhere between uh, uh, 50,000 views total or something on one stream or something like that. And I think we're going to blow that away, actually. I'm very pleased to see that you're both there. There is an outside possibility i could be too come on make it happen if even if i'm not uh i will be picking up with you very very quickly i hope after after the event to um to to, to find out how it went and get a sense of the excitement that uh, is going to be of course available online and live all over the place uh brilliant really simon we gotta have you there i mean the color yeah, would be amazing yeah. i need I'm you sitting next to me i need you sitting next to me while i'm and then that voice come in and be like nathan what's going you know what i mean like what do you think simon oh my gosh we gotta have that for sure is it the come rat pack now. was there yeah come on guys we gotta get together over there i think the whole community will be all for that for sure <laughs> We'll see. Um, very nice to talk to you guys. Uh, great to be back together again. It feels like a long time since we've been the three of us uh, chewing the fat in the way that we do. Great to resume. Um, brilliant. Uh, nice to talk to you. Excellent. Thank you. Goodbye. See you guys. See you, Simon. See you, Shane. See you later, guys. That's it, folks. Thanks for listening. Just time to say thanks once more to Zwift for their continuing support of the podcast. But to remind people that even though they give us plenty of support and we're very grateful, they don't influence what we have to say. See you next time.